You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For decades, milk has been fueling women marathon runners as the OG performance drink. And in the new docu-series Running Sucks, brought to you by Team Milk, Abby Ayers takes us on a journey of self-discovery as she meets several groups of empowered women runners to find out what drives them, what fuels them, and what pushes them to go the distance. And in the process, she learns that she too can be a distance runner. You can watch the series at runningsuckstheseries.com and register for the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon at everywomansmarathon.com. Hello and welcome to the Long Form Podcast. I'm Evan Ratliff from Atavist. I'm joined here today, you may find it hard to believe if you're a past listener, by Max Linsky and Aaron Lammer from Long Form. And we just had Josh Behrman leaving a voicemail. Yeah, and Josh Behrman's with co-host, us as well. Co-host voicemail. Josh Behrman. Yeah, first time Josh hasn't been out sick. Yeah. Uh, this Aaron, week. Who'd you talk to this week? I talked to Eve Zimmerman, um, who is both a writer and editor, longtime um, editor of The Hairpin, uh, and uh, now branching branching forward uh, into new ventures. Uh, written a few mu- stories for uh, New York Times and various other places. Turns out we went to college together, although I did not realize that until we started this interview. Good, I'm good. I'm ready for some good uh, Wesleyan stories. Don't, hey Max, don't say we're don't don't. Say oh, that's not cool yeah. to say the no, name. No personal details, please. <laughs> uh, if you want to uh, distribute some personal details, you might want to check out our sponsor, Tiny Letter. They uh, make a very, very simple, powerful tool to send an email newsletter. Uh, we thank them for their sponsorship. Uh, let's do this. Here, here's Aaron and Edith, and uh, Josh will be back next week. Welcome, Edith Zimmerman. Thank you for coming in on a quite hot day. Yeah, and pleasure. we're in the landlocked new slightly hot office, so the the light has been pointed away <laughs> from the interview subject. Um, one thing I I, uh, I feel like we should uh, I should get off uh, uh, right at the start here is I believe we went to the same college, although I don't remember knowing you. Oh. You went to Wesleyan University. I did. I think I'm a couple years older than you. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> Uh, that there's nothing really to say about that. So we did not know each other. I graduated in 2003. Oh no! Okay, I was 05. Okay, were you writing when you were in college? Yeah, um, that I guess that was sort of the start of my interest. Um, a friend of mine was writing a column for the school paper that I thought was really good and interesting, and um, I kind of wanted to be more like her. And they had an opening, and I submitted to it and I started writing for it um, and that was really fun and that sort of was the start um, and then I did uh, <laughs> poetry <laughs> you don't you don't have to you don't have to say it really quietly I don't want no I know I don't I don't I don't mind I just yeah I don't know <laughs> um, what was your poetry like uh, 
Uh, brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what what sort of led you, I mean, from, from the early stuff, what what led you to writing? I mean, what were your ambitions sort of coming out of college as a writer? Um, I had enjoyed writing for the paper every other week, which seemed like the pace of a magazine. So I wanted to be a magazine writer, but I really had no idea what any of that entails. I was like, oh, I'll go get a job at a magazine and then I'll yeah. be a, ma-. and I just, I mean, it was such a blurry picture that I had in my mind, which was just yes. sort of like, I'll be at my desk writing amazing articles all the yes. time. I mean, I didn't even know what I wanted to write. Actually, no, that's not true. I wanted, I had wanted to be a travel writer. Um, and then I went on a trip by myself and was miserable the whole time and really sad and lonely. And I came home early. And so I decided I probably wasn't cut out to be a travel writer. And, um, and then I just figured I wanted to be a writer somehow. And then I got a couple internships and realized that it's not, Actually, I don't think I realized this then, but um, when you work at a magazine, you're not sitting and typing brilliant articles all day long. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I don't know. It's sort of circuitous or, you know, along a narrow path of potential circuitry. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I had a couple of internships, and then applied for every magazine and publishing anything thing available and I got I was really lucky I got a job at a really small art magazine um, after my second internship and worked there and then moved on to another magazine and they another small magazine and they had a small uh, blog that they had just started and they didn't really have anyone to write for it because it was a small magazine and an even smaller blog and I was new and very low on the ladder, and they just sort of figured they'd throw someone at that position. Part like that was part of my part of my duties, and um, but I really liked writing for the internet, and that sort of made I, me move, want to move in the more internety direction. I feel like uh, your our generation is um, sort of the overlapping point where um, you may have seen um, people being like, "Oh, writing on the internet, we'll give that task to the person with the lowest, shittiest seniority here." And in the last, say, five to ten years, that's become at least half of what a lot of people were doing uh, are doing. And I think that's something that um, it almost happened without sort of any fanfare that um, blogs went from being neglected to, like, getting more traffic than print magazines usually bring in. Um, when you say you, want, you like, liked writing for the Internet, what, what does writing for the Internet sort of mean to you? Or what, what, what attracted you to that? Um, I like that... And maybe this isn't the most attractive um, appeal, but you can see reactions right away in real time and what's succeeding and what's not and what mm-hmm. people like and what they don't. So if you're sort of a, addicted to approval, you know, that's nice. But I also like that there's no paper, so you're not attached to lengths or you don't have to fill X amount. And if you can just say exactly what you want as long as you want um which in my preferences is usually as short as you want um because i find that i anything i have to say i can probably say in like two sentences um what was the sort of seed of the hairpin what what brought it to to birth um the seed of the hairpin was it's it's part of the all network um and I had been writing a column for the all very infrequently. Um, and I was working at New York Magazine's Vulture 
their entertainment website, Vulture, um, and they approached me because they were starting a sister site, yeah. sort of a aimed at women, general interest, or it could be, you know, whatever. And they asked me if I wanted to run it, and I said yes, and that was that. That was that. <laughs> um, let, take me through that decision. Was that an, uh, a no question yes from you when you were offered it? Yes, I knew it was no question off the bat, um, but then I took a bunch of steps backward. Like, you know, I was really scared because I had been, I was just at the, also at the bottom of the ladder at Vulture. Um, it was just, a, it would be a huge leap and it's, you know, it would have my name on it. And if it turned out that I was annoying, it would be really obvious. And if it failed, it would be because of me. And so it was sort of a, all right, <laughs> can yeah, I do something that's good or will nobody like it and then I'll have to fall asleep at night knowing that I tried really hard and failed. When, you, when you're when you offered, hey, the All Wants to Do a Sister site, um, it's loosely, I would say, about to- aimed at women. Mm-hmm. Is that the collective pr- uh, mm-hmm. principle? What was, before you started, what was your conception of what it would be? I just wanted it to be a completely normal site that was written mostly by women, but wasn't, I mean, I still have a, it's difficult to talk about the difference between things that are aimed at women and things that aren't. I mean, I, I it's just, and instead of getting too hand-wringy about it, I just thought it would be easier to not worry about that and just run cool stuff and see what happens and eventually create something that just self, not self-perpetuates, but is its own sort of descriptor of what a women's site could be without being explicitly, you know, lady-like. Well, previously, before you launched the site, you had done um, a series of pieces for the all that were uh, sort of um, takes on the letters to the editor of a women's magazine. Yes. So it seemed to me like women's magazines were something that were sort of on your mind and something that you were consciously um, directing the, the hairpin as a, as a response to. Is that is that accurate? No. No? Okay. <laughs> Damn. Um, I know. I mean, and that's, I mean, I can't really say no so okay. easily because I understand. Right. I, I don't know. I wanted the hairpin to be a thing that just sort of defied anything and could be whatever it wanted um, whenever. I just ran anything I liked, basically. I don't I, know if I'm even answering your question. Well, no, I mean, it, it, I think this stuff is, is a bit elusive. Like, when I, I think I asked Corey the same question about the all, what is the all, and he also uh, totally failed to answer that question. Okay. But if I were to describe it to someone else, I would describe and say that his personality is very much present. His spirit is very present in the all. Was that something that sort of concerned you, or how, how did you um, how did you navigate uh, hairpin as your own sort of creation and as it related to your personality and you as a writer and, and that kind of stuff. I mean, I'm assuming it was a lot of time. Um, did you feel like you sort of had to develop a voice for it? No, I just figured that, um, well, this part of the fear thing was that I was just going to, well, the structure of the site was that we would run two or three or four larger features every day, usually, I mean, mostly by other writers besides myself. Um, and then a lot of shorter pieces throughout. And the way I thought about it was sort of um, that the shorter pieces, which I would write, would be the mortar among the bricks. But the bricks were the real 
the bricks were the long features and those are by other people but so I was sort of creating the tone but mm -hmm. um, other people would fill in and I just hoped that people liked me how did you start how did you find those bricks how did you find the people to build those I mean I know a lot of people have uh, fantasies of starting a periodical um, and not many people have done it um, and as far as I know the budgets for these things are, are pretty limited so you're dealing with a pretty nominal amount of money you can pay for those longer features what how do you start assembling something someone to do brick-like work like that without a big budget um, you just create a space that people want to be a part of uh-huh did you didn't have any budget at all no budget no. okay so you're already less evasive than Corey um, so <laughs> so, uh, or maybe we did. <laughs> you had an alternative form of cur oh currency. Um, did you know a lot of the people who came to write for the site before? At the very beginning, yes. Okay. Um, and they, but I, you know, we I just ran stuff that I thought was particular and cool, and then people seemed to like it, and then people I didn't know were submitting, and I really loved what they submitted, and it was really exciting. And it just sort of snowballed a little bit from there. In the uh, best way. And when you said that, like, good stuff was coming in, um, were you coming up with, like, story ideas and farming them out to people? No, people were submitting just their own really cool stuff and their weird... I think the strongest stuff that we've run has been, well, for the most part, things that you wouldn't find anywhere else. Um, so when people had, you know, weird, funny ideas maybe that kind of defied form it was a place that people would think of to send um. so one of the first pieces that I sort of came across um, you as a writer not as an editor was um, you did a piece for uh, GQ about um, Chris Evans who's the star uh, star of many movies but at, at that time was coming out with uh, Captain America mm -hmm. and uh, I think the piece got a lot of attention because it was great, but also because it was a pretty unusual profile um, and that you figured heavily into the story yourself. It's um, sort of more of almost a behind the scenes um, what happened while I was reporting this profile than a traditional profile. Um, did you did you going in when you were working on that sort of know what kind of a piece you wanted to write? No. No, what, I was... What, did you, what was it as assigned? Um... Do you want to do a, a profile of Chris Evans? It's going to be the cover story. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and this was your first big profile? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm not, I don't consider myself a reporter. I don't even think I'd ever done journalism before that. <laughs> okay. That's a pretty big jump from zero to a cover story. Yeah. Maybe I had. I don't know. Um, I mean, I was scared shitless. And the the the... the I guess his publicist or whomever uh, had arranged, I flew out to LA and they had agreed only to a two hour interview and my editor GQ was really frustrated by that because what are you going to get? I mean, I don't know. I guess he had the idea that it could be something more experimental or I don't know, but yeah, I didn't go in with any kind of... And you turned what started out as uh, two hours into um, sort of a drunken evening and a half of um of access was that um did did you 
did you try to do that? Did that just happen? I mean, as a, as someone without sort of a background in reporting, how did how did you approach that two hour limit? I didn't. I mean, I, I didn't really have an approach. I just I, I remember I got there before him, and I was so nervous, and I had this book of questions. You know, like what do you eat for <laughs> to work? I mean, I was like, what what would a person at what would someone ask in this case? I just wasn't thinking about anything. Um, just like so afraid of embarrassing myself and writing something awful and and then I don't know we just kind of started talking and it was easy and then and then I don't know <laughs> so so after for, for people who haven't read the story uh, you had this sort of evening and then how did you sort of adapt that into the format for for the story that you reported um, how I don't know. I just, we were just, I don't know. I, I had no idea. Throughout the course of the night, I wasn't really sure what, I was just happy that it was going okay and that he was talking and I wasn't as petrified as I had been. And then the next day I was like, oh my God, this was kind of a crazy night. Maybe that would be an interesting story because like, you know, I don't know how to make this inherently interesting to anybody because, you know, he was pretty famous at the time, but I, he wasn't hugely famous. He was less famous than he is now. And I guess my my instinct was to, and I I don't think I realized this at the time, but or I did, I don't know. I, w- I really wasn't thinking very hard about it. I just thought that I'm given space that people may or may not look at, and it could very well be really boring. Or, and I don't want to bore people, so I just tried to think of what would make the most interesting story. And and I sort of recounted some of the weird uh, or the amusing bar night anecdotes to my editor the next day, and he said oh, let's increase the word count. So I knew he wanted those details, so I was happy to write about them. The The, the story sort of takes the shape of um, the story of a flirtation that can be alternately um, uh, d- alternately described as profe- sort of a professional charm or a uh, honest real want of pranks, which is also, I'd say, a fairly... Um, apt description of what being an actor is or an acting professional is mm-hmm. um, were you concerned in sort of presenting presenting this this cover story this big sort of coup for you um, at yourself as this woman to be flirted with in, in the story I mean did you consider you know what are people going to think of me Edith Zimmerman after reading this story no um there's no details in there that I would ever be ashamed of, and I don't know. I had a lot of fun writing it, and yeah, thought it was fun. It struck me as uh, a very an, an unconventional approach to the story, and one sort of informed by a sort of looser, maybe more internet-y uh, writing style, and that uh, it was really interesting to read, and there was no way to uh, repeat it. Like if you got a uh, another profile. It's not like you could right. take the same tact <laughs> right. again, um, and and that's exactly. something I've noticed across a lot of your writing. You you very rarely will take a sort of direct path at a story. Um, has that been some? I mean, in talking to editors after that, as your sort of big break, um, did people you know when 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 you pitch stories to people, does that story come up? Um, no, I haven't really been pitching just have been writing for the the Times magazine exclusively I have a I have a exclusive thing with them um, so I've been pitching 
I pitched, I guess I pitched them sometimes, but I don't have to. They approached me because of that article, so that was sort of already on the table. When, um, I guess. I've been sort of disappointing as a journalist, though. Um, <laughs> Because that sort that. of seems like, oh, she maybe had an interesting approach to this thing. Yes. Maybe she'll always have an interesting approach. But it's like, no, I totally don't. That I don't was, know. That I, was like, your one shot. Yeah. And that was sort of an accident. I mean, it was like, oh, like, I'm incredibly hapless and I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Like, I, just, I, I have no idea. I'm really scared whenever I interview people. I'm incredibly uncomfortable. Um, I, yeah, I'm just, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not very good. I'm also kind of scared when I interview people. Why do you have a podcast? I don't know. I got talked into it. Oh. oh. I kind of, uh, I, I kind of like it in like a like a um, immersion therapy kind of way, though. Um, it makes me more comfortable in my normal life. Um, so, but let's talk about this is sort of an interesting. I think a lot of people think, oh, I I could go run a website and you know post something witty every day and go and write my novel in their free time. How much work is it to run something like the hairpin? Um, it's a lot of work. Um, when it started, I was, uh, it feels weird to tell you my hours because then it's sort of like bragging I worked so hard, but, and people are like, wow, what were you doing? Like, it's just a website. But, um, yeah, I mean, for the, I guess, well, for the whole time I was starting at five or six and going at, at, for the first year, I guess, until five or six at night and then doing a couple hours later. Um, there's a lot of stuff that you don't see. Um, what beyond, like what, what are your writing, beyond writing, what are the major things that you were working on on a day-to-day basis? Well, I edited all the pieces that came in and I read all the submissions and I emailed with people and um, read the internet to find things that were timely and I thought were worth posting. I mean, the endless endless nihilists. I mean, I spent a lot of time looking for the right picture. I, I put a lot of effort into little details that no one would ever notice except maybe in a subconscious cumulative way. Um, like choosing just the right tag if anyone happened to look down there, you know? Yeah. And most people would never, ever, ever see it. But when you do, you sort of feel like someone really cared about what what you're reading. And that, I think, matters and. What was the sort of community that that came up around the hairpin like, and and how did that affect you as an editor? Um, It was thrilling. Really funny and really smart people started showing up to comment and make jokes and submit, but mostly commenting and reading, and they're really loyal, and it was really thrilling. Um, And it was cool because they were so smart and funny that they created, like, a secondary uh, reason to visit the site. Yeah. And so that... In addition to it being my job and being terrified of failure was the reason why I wanted to work as hard as I did was because I didn't want to disappoint anybody by creating, by by making anyone feel like they were wasting their jokes on people that weren't caring as much as they did. Do you feel like there were things that you did that, I mean, I assume that you yourself would also participate in, in the comments? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm only ignorant of this because I never, ever look at comments on the Internet, and mm-hmm. I feel like it's actually like we could have a whole show about um, what um, your feelings about Internet commenting say about you. <laughs> but um, do you feel like you did things that helped foster that community? I mean, when did you start seeing it sort of emerge, and, and what kind of writing sort of led to, to building that community? Um, I don't know. I mean, I think people could tell that the voices on the site were pretty close to the surface 
as in we were engageable and it wasn't buried um and it was all pretty accessible it was i'd like to believe that it's smart and funny but not smug or or closed off to newcomers um i don't know were you um were you keenly i know this is it's it's, you're a little bit close still we should we should have another uh (laughs) the five-year exit interview also but um were you aware of the sort of competition on the internet um other sites i mean i know jezebel has has a beat that overlaps and then there are these larger women's magazines and probably lots of other places that you're aware of um, I'm guessing that ri- some of the writers overlapped among these different places. How sort of keenly aware were you of how um, the hairpin fit into a larger constellation of web browsing? I'm not sure, but at the beginning, I, I, I thought that there was a place for it that wasn't filled, and mm-hmm. I just tried to um, fill that space as much as possible. Um, and I stopped reading a lot of other similar publications simply because I didn't want to be explicitly or subconsciously influenced. Um, so I just figured we're probably all going to be covering a lot of the same stuff frequently. Um, but if it seems like I'm just coming to it naturally, then I won't worry about accidentally copying anyone or anything. So you did the site three years? Um, I guess two and a half. Two and a half years. What... Um what what led you 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 departed recently as, mm-hmm. as the editor? What what led to that? Um, I wasn't doing a very good job, and it wasn't. I wasn't as connected, and I was feeling really um, alone. It used to be that I would open my computer in the morning. It was kind of like that scene and. Pulp Fiction, where they open the the briefcase at the end and it's glowing. It's like, oh my god, what's in here? Yeah, right. And that sort of felt like opening my computer in the morning. And that maybe sounds really nerdy, but I was so excited to see what there was and to go through it and hang out online with these people who wrote for me or wrote with the site or, or who came to the site and commented or who didn't comment, just anything. You know, yeah. it was really it was great. It was really stimulating and just made me so happy. Um, and then, I don't know. I'm not really sure. It could be a burnout uh, or just natural progression, but I just started thinking that someone else who was happier and having more fun would do a better job. What was it like looking at the Internet with sort of the unvarnished eye? It just felt smaller. Mm-hmm. Less like a portal and more like this super fancy manila folder that was in my house and that was just me in my house with it was that a gradual process <laughs> this was so miserable no um I mean, it was like this is like some horrible thing that happened to me <laughs> yes it was totally gradual um i think a lot just like a lot of uh maybe i was lazy i could have found newer sites newer things yeah but i didn't i didn't and um the old routines and like you know the old Google reader feeds just it was a lot of the same stuff and I had I felt like I had written about so many things already and I'd exhausted my little pet passions um, and then I didn't have any other passions or interests to exhaust and now I'm trying to figure out what I like and I have no idea yeah so I was gonna ask what like what excites you now I don't know 
Um, I don't know. I really don't know. What excites very, you? Very honest. Uh, what excites me? Um, I'm I'm pretty excited by um, on the internet. I'm pretty excited by the sort of um, mass aggregation of data um, producing lots of sort of uh, unprofessionally produced things of interest. So I'm like looking forward to like in the next 10 years when you think about how many photographs were taken in Iraq and Afghanistan by soldiers and the fact that we have like this sort of this tool for Mm -hmm. distributing them in a mass way and sort of uh, I think it excites me that um, so much of uh, so much of the human world is uh, accessible to strangers now. Mm-hmm. I think that is sort of a renewing thing that excites me. Wow. Not that it's, I can really do very much with it uh, while I'm sitting here running a website, but uh, I, I often find that when I burn out on something, something else sort of does uh, excite me. Um, uh, I'm going to pour myself a drink here. I think I need one after that uh, <laughs> After that run. Um, you passed off the the reins of the hairpin to uh, the new editor, yes. um, Emma Carmichael. Yes. Is that right? Yes. Um, She's awesome. You've sort of been t- you've, you're making me feel like you're like a bit of like an internet cautionary tale here. What what kind of um, <laughs> what kind of advice did you leave her with when you when you gave her the keys? Have fun. If you're not having fun, don't do it. Like do whatever you want. I said, do whatever you want. Um, delete everything, change everything. If you don't like certain writers, you don't ever have to run them. Uh, don't do anything I did unless you like it. I mean, just, I'm, I don't care. I'm not going to be watching. No one, like, just, if you don't do it completely for yourself, then it's not going to be worthwhile and you're not going to enjoy the job. Did, um, was it hard to leave that community behind? Yeah. Yeah. Do you think the people in the community are concerned about you? I think they're going to hear this podcast and there's going to be like a like, oh, no. there's going to be like an intervention where they <laughs> No, what what would they do? Do I just yeah. sound like my life sucks? It doesn't suck. No, no, no. I I don't think that at all. It, it sounds to me a little bit like um doing this kind of like is so en- enveloping that um emerging on the other side it's kind of hard to tell No, no. It, I mean, it was the be- it's the best thing I've ever done in my life. Um I hope to approach something else with the same delight and energy um and i just i guess what i'm doing right now is resting on some time i guess i bought for myself Mm -hmm. maybe i mean i'd like to believe that and so i don't i knew that i would feel this way i wasn't expecting to you know stretch my arms for six months and just you know sit in a hammock or whatever i knew it would feel weird and uncomfortable and i wouldn't know what i was doing so i'm kind of just sort of um, doing coasting that. on by. Yeah. Um, was you know things that are so sites that are so singularly driven by sort of a person's personality. Sometimes I feel like people like I often would have thought that like Corey couldn't leave the all. His sort of essence was was so embedded with it. Was that hard for you while you were working on it? Like feeling like it wasn't something that that was gonna you know that you could leave behind and 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 sort of quit like a traditional job. Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely. It seems to me like on the internet you're able to invent a format, and the format that that you sort of invented with the hairpin was a um, a format that both uh, sort of reflected back on traditional women's magazines and yet covered some of the same 
ground as them. It was it's mm-hmm. both sort of a critique and a form of this older form. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, in sort of defining that, what what were the sort of important ingredients? What, when you, when someone said, "I want to do this story for the hairpin," what would you sort of tell them? Like, "Oh yeah, hairpin story is like this," if anything. Um, I never really did that, but as it went on, I came to realize a common something or other, which is I never ran anything. Um, I never wrote anything myself or ran anything from other people that was um, needlessly negative. Um, mm, interesting. And I see not, I mean, it wasn't, you know, some false grin plastered all over it um, yeah. because, you know, there's, it, it addresses dark things too and it poked fun at things, but I really didn't want it to ever for there to be on the site a tone of yeah let's tackle this or let's let's really just deflate this but because ultimately you're you're just like stabbing a at a at like a ghost among friends and then at the end you're all just like falling on the floor and like the ghost is gone i mean like you're not you're not really doing anything constructive so I, it's, that sounds kind of abstract, I guess. But no, no. That, I mean, I think that's a very, very valid point. Because it's, it's just preaching to the choir, and if you're all just dragging yourself down into some flustered fury or whatever, it's it's not helping anybody. So, whenever we would do anything that would maybe address a negative situation, I always would try to end w- with at a door, for instance. So, so like. If someone or some something really stupid or awful was happening, instead of just describing how awful it was and being up in arms and saying like "God, this is just terrible," you know, yeah. like blah, that to me feels like when I read stories like that, it feels like someone's lowering you down a well, yeah. and then at the end of the well, you're like, "All right, uh, what do I do? I don't know. I'm just <laughs> it's like dark place. Why did you take me here?" So I and I I think that there's a way to do that and always end with a little door at the bottom. Like, here's something to do about it, or here's... And not, you know, like, call your congressman, but just, like, here's some moments of levity, or here's a different option, or here's a different approach, or here's the situation, but not, you know... I don't know. And I, and I, and I, I think about it abstractly, because it was never something that I had in mind, only that I realized that that was sort of a thread of things I liked, and I don't think humor is ever inappropriate. Like, there's always ways to bring moments of light and I don't mean like always having a laugh at the, I just you know yes I don't know. well I mean if I'm we babbling. look at sort of the intersection of humor and negativity this idea of snark is kind of where, where they overlap um, and I would say that, that the hairpin is um, among its peers somewhat unique and then I would call its tone pretty non-snarky um, and I think that a lot of people identify that sort of starkiness with um, some of Gawker and some of the publications that came out and really reflected heavily on the sort of New York media landscape and, and sort of treated uh, ordinary people as celebrities. Um, how did you sort of navigate, you know, the all exist, uh, the all and the hairpin exist in the same sort of universe of people who are on the internet a lot and live in New York? Were you conscious of trying to make it sort of a national or international publication? And, mm-hmm. and what did, how mm-hmm. did you sort of try to do that? Um, not writing too much about New York stuff. Um, understanding that no one cares about me or 
New York that much and yeah. trying to keep that out of the tone because when you have one thing that's successful maybe and has Facebook likes and it could be universal yep. and someone sees it and they're they've never been on the site before and they're like oh I'm going to give this a whirl let me go to the main page and it's you know something about how some weird city nuance in inside joke thing um it just feels exclusion exclusionary exclusive mm-hmm. um and i just i was i guess i was pretty hyper aware the whole time of never creating a tone that would exclude people i mean i messed up a bunch but i tried what tell me about a time you messed up uh, um mm, we there are a few inside jokes that would be repeated and i tried to keep those few and far between but funny but also have a sort of key you know if you if you saw it and you didn't get it instead of being repelled if you wanted to try to get it it would be very i would have a little like you know oh follow here if you know you don't under you know here's the link to explain what this is um and i made a really i guess a really poor joke regarding one of those at one point. <laughs> this it's is all like, over wow, now. I'm can, sorry. You can this talk is like, about it. No, it's not. It's not all over. It's all still there. Um, <laughs> can, you ta- can you talk about the joke? Um, it was just this. Um, wh- like, this is terrible because of everything that's on that site. Yeah. There's so much that I like, and now I'm going to highlight this like thing. I'm, I'm, uh, I feel ashamed of. Ask, I'll ask you what your favorite no, piece no, that you ever published No, no, not at all. No, I don't ever want to. Um, it's really better to revel in the negativity, though. Because it's not, it's so bad. It's not even like, and then I accidentally, it, it, I just made a joke about, or used this sort of lazy insidery joke that we had that was this acronym that was based on, all right, whatever. All right, so in 2010, maybe, there was this woman who got arrested because she I th- was threatening a, a man and, um, in the in the court order, um, it was reported that she had had threatened him both with the knife and then said, "quote Someone is going to eat my pussy, or I'm going to fucking cut your throat." <laughs> and that was in. That's going to be the poll quote. That was in. <laughs> oh my god! And that was so. Yeah, that was like, oh wow, this is like a. This is a lively lady, and um, so. I, I, I turned that into an um, acronym, so it was um, S-I-G-T-E, I, I forget already, but that little handy thing, as if that were like such a common phrase that it yes. needed an acronym, you get it. Yes. And, and so I sort of used that throughout the rest of the couple For of years. For those listening at home, um, Edith has a tattoo with those, that acronym. <laughs> On my forehead. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and that was just became whenever there was a woman in the news who was doing something kind of rowdy, it would start with someone is going to, and they would end with a new twist that no one knew, and so they'd try to figure it out, and it was kind of like a figure-outy little yes. micro-riddle. There would always be tiny posts that were not too... Anyway, so I ended the run of that amusing acronym by really just fucking up and dropping the ball tone-wise. It was a woman who was threatening to rape a man or something. It was, a, it was rape a man being raped 
and I, I took it too lightly and someone very correctly reminded me that it was, you know, that was not a good rape joke either. I was like, yeah. oh, fuck. Like, I have a, ra- oh my God. I never want, I this don't know. This was pre-rape joke controversy too. Oh You're no, this is Vanguard. like, no, no, this was, ugh, like, yeah, I, I, oh yeah. Um, so that was a, bu- a bit of a bummer um, and totally on me and I just felt awful. And like when you mess up, you just have this panic that everything is going to fall apart and you've you're yeah it's, it was it wasn't good um well let's talk about and um, there's a different <laughs> level <laughs> that is totally not what i expected you to say i know well, that's why i was having it on anyway uh, i enjoyed it though um as you try to detox from this lifestyle from the game um what's that what's that like how does it feel stepping back back from the internet weird it feels really weird i mean i have my computer open all day still so it's yeah. not like i mean i'm unsubscribing from a lot of lists yeah um it feels quieter and both lonelier and um more engaged with 3d people <laughs> do you find that this experience was part of your identity that you're now having to shed i mean yeah definitely are your friends concerned about you what? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't. I don't have any friends, so I don't know. You have no friends. No, <laughs> no. It's actually been a common theme on this show. You're not the first person who said. No, I don't really have that many friends, but um, I don't think. I don't know. I have no idea. I mean, it's it's very weird. It feels like a very blank slate time, and I don't think I have the perspective to talk about it, or that there even is a perspective. I just. I'm not doing anything, and I don't really know what I want to do. Mm-hmm. So it's like this big sort of smiling question mark. Um, what like what kind of stuff do you find sort of um, filling the the seams of of your brain, you know, on the outskirts of your brain as as space empties up? What 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 takes its place? Um, I've been really dedicating myself to following any kind of curiosity about anything, which has been fun. I also have been drawing more um Mm. and i started a project of drawing rocks um you draw rocks yeah so if anybody has a a photo of a rock that they would want drawn drawn they can totally email it to me and i where do you where do you source most of your rock um, material for from the internet i just google rock and then i would you draw a real rock if one came your way yeah i mean i like (laughs) <laughs> Someone throws a rock at me. <laughs> um, yeah, 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 totally. What um, What do you think about what you're drawing? Uh, I think it's good. No, but like, what you <laughs> <laughs> oh, what do you think? You said while. I think well, said how would you what? rate your own drawings? Um, what do you think about while you're drawing? Nothing, which I think is pleasant. Um, yeah, the time just really goes by. What do you do? What do you do with the drawing? Do I sound really like depressed or weird? I don't know. No, I mean, okay. yeah, yeah. Okay. But <laughs> I'm not. I don't know. Maybe I am. But, but like I'm less so fine. now. Less I'm so now fine. than like a half an hour. Well, ago. I mean, these things make me incredibly nervous, and it's really. Well, weird. you're doing wonderful. Okay, thank you. Uh, I haven't talked. I mean, I hadn't talked to anybody today yet. I hadn't talked to anyone today yet either. Uh, but you're in an office with people. I know, but they all wear headphones. Oh, okay. It's a technology office. All right. But um, yeah. 
Right on. <laughs> well, um, thank you very much, uh, Edith Zimmerman, for coming in. Yeah. Um, Possibly, this could be the hottest day of the year. It's very hot here. It's fun. Thanks to my co-hosts, Evan Ratliff and Max Linsky. Uh, thanks to our intern, Chelsea Edgar, our super editor, Lauren Kirchner, and all of our sponsors this week. We will be back next week. Why does anyone? I always thought that runners loved running, and that's not the case. Most runners hate running, (laughs) but they choose to do it. In the new docuseries Running Sucks, brought to you by Team Milk, Abby Ayers learns why women runners everywhere are driven to go the distance. It really is about taking my power back and proving myself wrong. Team Milk is about fueling women's performance and helping them along their marathon journeys. You can sign up now for the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon taking place in Savannah, Georgia on November 16th, 2024. Learn more and register at everywomansmarathon.com.